0: To shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello. Coming up on today's show, Kim Kimye have finally filed their divorce papers, and the betting markets have gone wild on who Kim is going to date next. <laughs> Plus, why Emma Watson may have just retired from acting. Gwyneth Paltrow thinks she was the first person to wear a mask, and then the fall of NRL great Sam Burgess. And what it's about our obsession with sporting stars. But first, Michelle,
1: how was your week? This week I wasted so much time. In fact, I think I wasted about 10 hours of my life watching a Netflix show that I didn't even like. And I didn't like it from like 10 minutes in from watching it. And yet I continued for hours and hours and hours because I am a masochist. Okay, so two things. I think this is very self-inflicted pain because (laughs) no one's tying you to the couch forcing you to watch this. Secondly, what was the show? Firefly Lane. Have either of you watched Firefly Lane? Oh, I am just so angry at myself. So if you've missed this. Firefly Lane is very high up on the Netflix charts, right? Like it is spot one or two right now. Can I
0: interrupt before we move any further? Do you think Netflix manipulates those charts so that you're drawn to bad television shows that you mm. argue as bad television shows because that's the stuff they want to put in your feed? No, I don't
1: think so. I have to admit I haven't seen this show anywhere. No, because the difference is Netflix have a trending section yeah. and then they have a top chart section. I think the trending section is a bit of bullshit where Netflix goes, sure, people like this yeah. Watch it, watch it. The chart, I don't think so. I even polled my own Instagram followers and a lot of people are watching Firefly Lane. If you've missed it, it is about two best friends who meet in high school, like awkward teenager years, and then it follows their friendship throughout like a couple of decades. It's got Catherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk, I think, from Scrubs. Annabelle, you're nodding. Yes, from
2: Scrubs. I love her.
1: Yes. So I was watching this and from the very get-go, I was like, this is pretty shit. Like a lot of the writing is terrible. It's extraordinarily cliched. And yet it was one of those shows where it was almost too easy to watch – I couldn't bring myself to exert the energy it took to reach over, grab the remote and press off. I, I don't believe that for a second because
0: it really <laughs> takes absolutely no energy to turn it off. It takes more energy actually to sit through a bad television show <laughs> than it does to turn it off. The only way I'll let you get away with this, the
1: only way is mm-hmm. if they are under half an hour episodes. No, that's the embarrassing thing. <gasps> no, scene. how big were they? <laughs> they were like 45 minutes. But one of my biggest gripes with this show was that they got Catherine Heigl and Sarah Talk, who are incredible actresses, might I add, like incredible, incredible actresses, great at what they do. They're also in their 40s though. They got Sarah and Catherine to play their like 19, 20, 21 year old selves. And I'm not being ageist. I was just about to say, you could see my face. I can see my mum's face in my head right now. (laughs) I promise this is not an age thing. It's just a believability thing. Yeah, I get that. If you get a 15 year old to pretend she's 35, I'm going to be like, what the fuck's going on? If you get a 45 year old to pretend she's 20, I'll ask the same question. I cannot understand why they wouldn't get the 16-year-olds to just play that 10 years because they they did get other actresses to obviously play themselves as teenagers – But within five years, they suddenly become women who look like they're 40. And it's incredibly confusing in bad wigs. So I imagine this is not your recommendation. No, it's not my recommendation. My recommendation (laughs) is... Glad to be. (laughs) I've I've just wasted everyone's time. I've literally just (laughs) wasted three minutes of everyone else's time on this fucking TV show. Don't watch it, guys. What you should do is dive back into the oasis that is Frank Ocean's wonderful content. Frank Ocean just popped up on one of my Spotify playlists this week. I was driving around my sister and Lost by Frank Ocean played and it kind of took me back to my Tumblr days of like (laughs) 2013 where I was obsessed with Frank Ocean. And I've got to say, he kind of like disappeared from the scene for a few years. I really haven't listened to his latest stuff, but listening to this one song on Spotify sent me on a Frank Ocean deep dive. And then I stumbled across an incredible Frank Ocean profile that was actually published in the New York Times. I missed this. This was way back when in 2016. It's called Frank Ocean is Finally Free, Mystery Intact. The reporter spends like a few days with Frank Ocean. They go for drives together. They speak about this like really Amorphous kind of celebrity profile he has, and that a lot of people know about Frank Ocean, he's but very don't really. Elusive. He's so elusive, yeah. right? Like I feel like everyone knows that he's a big deal and that he's a great musician, but no one actually knows much about him other than the fact that he seems to be bisexual or be queer in some way. So I was reading this profile, and it's just so beautifully written, and it just gives such a good insight into what I would say is one of the biggest enigmas in the music industry. I will link that in the show notes. Frank. Ocean is finally free. Mystery intact. You have to read it.
0: Well done. That's a good recommendation for you. You've had oh, some absolute shockers what? recently. What, a backhanded compliment. <laughs> what the fuck? What, what recommendation? I've no. I don't remember them. Isn't <laughs> that is half the point? None of them have stuck out to me.
1: All right. Well, you give me yours then. We can do this back to front. Recommendation first week, second. I have started
0: watching a television show. It was a recommendation from one of my best friends, Emily. It is called The Split. It is on Stan. It is an enigma of a television show. If we're talking about enigmas. <laughs> (laughs) It's a bit random. It's about three sisters. Two of them are divorce lawyers. Their mother is a divorce lawyer too. They all kind of work in the same family business. It's just about divorce and stuff. You love businessy shows. It's not very businessy. It is quite random. And I think as far as television shows go, it feels mature and not in the terms of like, I'm watching such a mature (laughs) show. It feels like it's going for an older demo (laughs) and I've been sucked in. But I do really like it. I kind of love having a show that's existing on the periphery where I don't binge
1: it completely, but I have it like every so often. So you love having a show where it's kind of good, but not great. No, great shows you do binge. You just want it to be like tepid, yes. like lukewarm shows. But isn't that
0: a brand of television show to recommend? I would say people <laughs> listening to this who may have a partner, binge stuff with their partner. And if they watch stuff by themselves, they have their own stuff on the go.
1: You've really turned into someone who watches a lot of shit. At the- I know. Like you, yeah. last year would hop on, you'd be like, I don't watch TV, I, was sad, I, I just don't know. watch very much. <laughs> now I'm like, I can't get my eyes
0: off the screen. <laughs> They're going square. You've got two series going at once. I know. So that is a good one. I do really recommend that. So the first season is on Stan. The second season, I'm having to find, it rhymes with shm-legally. Um <laughs> And it's so funny because the link that I found to watch the first episode of season two had an ad every like five and a half minutes. Are the ads always like sexy ads? No, no, legit ads. Oh. So it was quite a legit shmulegal week <laughs> and it was driving me insane, but I still stuck out the episode. So I
1: think that's a glowing endorsement for the show. I'm a bit triggered from shmulegal recommendations though. When I watched Love Island shmulegally, I would get so many gross ads for like uh, porn websites and they're and the, so confronting the and traumatising. The pop-ups are quite intense,
0: but no, I let's go back to the show. I do recommend. As for my week, very quickly, Michelle. I saw this TikTok video this week where I learned something. I tend to learn heaps from TikTok.
1: Same. A lot of life hacks.
0: Also hair talk, hair TikToks. But there was this fact, and this video had been liked over a million times, Mm. where this woman said she just learned that during a weather report, when they say there is 30% chance of rain, that doesn't mean there is 30% chance of rain. She said it means it's going to rain in your area,
1: but only cover (laughs) 30% of the Ground, I guess. Is this one of those Did you TikToks know that? where they're just trying to make a whole bunch of people seem really gullible? I that, know. Why that, would know. That they, sounds hang true. Hang on. Why would a weather presenter say 30% chance of rain, which is what they say, right, Annabelle? Yeah, with the words, with the chance of. The chance of rain. Of chance why of rain? wouldn't they say... <laughs> 30% coverage of rain or 30% of the day will be covered with rain. Too many words. I'm sure this woman, this woman's post was liked by a million people. Annabelle, while we throw to the hotline, mm-hmm. I need you to do a bit of a Google and come back to us if Zara has just been taken for an absolute Sorry. ride. Or if
0: any meteorologists are listening, <laughs> would you tell me if there is any
1: truth to that TikTok fact? I will buy you dinner if that fact is true. There is no way. Why would they word it that way? I don't know. Maybe you don't know how the weather industry works. They could have
0: their own. Anyway, let's roll onto the hotline while Annabelle does her live at Google. I called out last week. I said, "Give me your best spoilers." We had so many, so many. (laughs) I haven't gone through that many hotline messages since I think we had like celebrities piercing in other people's (laughs) hands. And there are so many. Sorry to all the people that didn't make it on air, but these are the ones we
2: liked. Hey girls, I'm going to bring you back to when I was 11 years old. I hadn't quite finished a very popular vampire book series just quite yet I adored this series and I could not wait to finish this final book until a friend of mine who had already finished the book alerted me to the existence of a certain werewolf's future girlfriend if you know what I mean that her existence existed in a particular way with a particular character if you know what I mean I used to use Twitter a lot and when you use Twitter you can go and you can search certain terms and see what else other people are tweeting about. So I tweeted something about watching Gossip Girl. I think my tweet was something about like season three, a bit away from finding out who Gossip Girl was and there was this internet troll who was replying to all tweets that included the word Gossip Girl and telling you who Gossip Girl was. It was something like oh haha how funny because blah, 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 is Gossip Girl. And I was like, this is completely unrelated to this tweet. But, yeah, thank you, Twitter. So I probably experienced one of the worst spoilers ever. On the day that one of the very last Harry Potter books came out, someone printed off hundreds of flyers saying X character dies and posted them all over the school. Yeah, was not impressed. I love a good spoiler. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I always Google what happens in movies or TV shows or episode recaps because I can't handle the suspense. I've even not watched a show until it's finished just so I can find out what happens and I'm not in suspense from week to week. I love reading the end of a book before I start a book. I always go and read the last chapter before I start it just so I know what happens. Makes for a very interesting read.
1: I don't even know where to start. Maybe we start with the internet troll who was telling everyone who Gossip Girl was. That is the most mastermindy trolling that, I've ever heard that's of. That's the definition of trolling, is it not?
0: As is the person that's printing out flies and putting them around a school. That's, so <laughs> yes. that's bullying. Why? Why would you do that? I have to say, I didn't unrelate to the last caller who said she spoils stuff for herself because I'm feeling much more frail in my old age. And when I watch <laughs> stuff, I can't watch stuff and feel stressed. So I don't want the suspense there.
1: Might I add, I mean, disclaimer, obviously not a psychologist, not trained in the field to be going around and diagnosing people with anxiety however I do think it is quite symptomatic of anxiety to be like I can't deal with any more anxious thoughts or suspense (laughs) or stress I need to know because in my anxious moments I do that so caller I would love to know if you actually have anxiety disorder (laughs) because it would not surprise me whatsoever back to Annabelle did you do your live google did you work out if I was right
2: um, I don't know if you were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not wrong, no. You were truth adjacent. <laughs> so I'm on this BuzzFeed article, which isn't the most scientific of articles, yeah. but they say that the percentage that your app gives you, so your weather app, when it says like there's a 20% chance of rain. It's always 30%, way, might I add as keep well. going. You have to put it in some sort of complex equation that they've linked oh, a video to. That so sounds- that percentage goes into an equation and that works out the actual percentage That of sounds rain. boring. Okay, so and it also sounds like you weren't helpful and we need a meteorologist. <laughs> <laughs> Can we please have someone call the hotline
1: and explain this, what sounds like to be very boring, very complicated mathematical theory to us? Please. Might I add, if you are going to call the hotline and you do happen to be a meteorologist, please don't drive and dial the hotline. Oh we did have a hotline message this week that wasn't included in that batch then of a shameless listener who said she had a car accident because she tried to call us while driving. Might it be on the record? We do not condone driving and dialing. Don't drive and dial. I don't mind that as a slogan. Well done. How did she even get to our website while driving? That's even worse than putting in a number. Please don't do That (laughs) That is. That is. No, no. That's
0: illegal. (laughs) Anyway, Mish, let us jump into our first segment. We are talking about the
1: Kimye divorce that we have known has been coming for a few months now. Exactly right, guys. I feel like we've been here before. It does feel a bit like Groundhog Day because the Kardashians truly breadcrumbed us to this eventual truth that yes, Kim and Kanye are divorcing. Kimye is no more. Now, let's kick off with some context before we get too deep into this. This is Kim's third divorce. It is Kanye's. First, but Kim was originally married to music producer Damon Thomas between 2000 and 2004. She married him when she was 19 mm. and she says that she was actually high on drugs at the time of their wedding ceremony. She also says that relationship was at times both toxic and abusive. She then, of course, wed Chris Humphreys in 2011. They had that infamous 72-day marriage and then married Kanye West in 2014. They went on to have their now four children, Daughters North and Chicago and sons Saint and Sa. Now, there is $2.7 billion worth of assets that they will now need to divide as part of their divorce. The separation date is still to be determined, which is quite interesting and quite rare in divorce proceedings as well. But I think we knew this was in the cards, right? Like we knew this was probably going to happen ever since Kanye got up in his presidential bid last year, announced that he's anti-vax all of a sudden, Mm. he's anti-abortion, and revealed the very private information that he and Kim Kardashian once contemplated terminating their pregnancy with the child that inevitably turned out to be North.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, this was breadcrumb to us, as you say, Mish, in early January. News outlets were given the quote-unquote unconfirmed but confirmed reports that the two had split. They, as we said, have just confirmed that they are filed divorce papers. The timing of this, of course, is always interesting. We discussed a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that the rumour about them splitting aligned pretty well with the last day of Keeping Up With The Kardashian filming ever. Mm. And Keeping Up With The Kardashians, their last season, launches on March 18. This was announced this week. So they're very good at sort of dropping little bits of information like Hansel and Gretel, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? That's what it is. Really take this analogy and run with it, my girl. <laughs> don't let the analogy die. Let's keep it alive. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs>
0: (laughs) They (laughs) absolutely incredible us. Anyway, Mish, did you also read that Kim Kardashian West has hired the very high profile divorce lawyer, Laura
1: Wasser? Yes. She's a big name, but I don't really know how. I've seen her name a lot in like tabloids and stuff, but I've never really connected the dots. How do we know her so well? Well, she has represented Kim Kardashian West before in her (laughs) very high profile divorce from
0: Chris Humphries in 2013. She's also represented Britney Spears in 2007 divorce from Kevin Federline. Wow. Angelina Jolie is the one I think <gasps> I remember in her divorce from Brad Pitt in 2016. For Angelina, Apparently, the proceedings with that one are still ongoing. She also represented Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck in their divorce. So instead of them finding separate lawyers, they wanted to hire one to mediate the divorce proceedings, which is
1: very mature. So on brand for Jennifer Garner uh, to so be the brand. mature, level-headed woman who's like, I'm not going to try and like cause drama here. I just want to get this shit done and move on with my life. And the last one, which I find particularly interesting given the timing, is she's also
0: currently representing Army Hammer in his divorce from Elizabeth Chambers. So she obviously would have been hired long before the abuse allegations of Army Hammer kind of came to the surface. But yes, those two are obviously
1: divorcing and she is representing them too. So quite a portfolio of clients. Quite a portfolio. If you guys want some of the nitty gritty details, apparently Kim in her divorce from Kanye will be asking for joint legal and physical custody of the children. So, I mean, when we're talking about things like Brangelina stretching out for years and years, this might be the same from like a monetary sense, but the fact that they're pretty much on the same page with joint custody of the kids in every sense of the word means... probably won't be as messy as other celebrity divorces we've seen. In fact, by all accounts, this seems semi-amicable or at least neutral in that Kanye, by all reports, seems to be fine with the fact that Kim has filed for divorce. There really doesn't seem to be a lot of animosity from either side. God, you eat out of the Kardashians' hands, don't you?
0: (sighs) Chris Jenner tells you it's
1: amicable, Michelle runs with it. <laughs> no, but Kanye is now separated from the family, right? No, like know. he doesn't have to follow the advice of what the woman he once called Chris jong <laughs> Like he <laughs> yeah, is now separate and he'll say true. whatever the hell he wants. If he was really disgruntled, he'd hop on Twitter and let the world know.
0: Perhaps, but they also do have four kids at the centre of this and I imagine now that they're wanting it to at least appear amicable for the sake of the children, which I think is a, a good thing to do if you're able to. I do want to talk very quickly, Michelle, about the fact that Kevin out with the Kardashian launches on March 18. This divorce announcement is not the only thing they have cancelled and Credled for
1: us. No, they haven't. I mean, when you used to jump on this podcast and be like, it's all orchestrated. This is all very meticulously timed as promo for the show. I used to roll my eyes because I'm a Kardashian diehard. But it is a bit sus. Like, got to put my hand up and be like, something's a wee bit fishy here, given that in the same week, Kim has come out and confirmed that, yes, she is divorcing Kanye. We've also had Kourtney Kardashian confirm that, yes, she has a new boyfriend. That boyfriend is Travis Barker. Then we also had Chloe Kardashian include a very big, very glittery, very engagementy looking ring on her ring finger in an Instagram photo this week. It was the biggest ring I've ever seen.
0: Genuinely yeah. one of the biggest rings I've ever seen. And Tristan Thompson, who is her ex-boyfriend turned perhaps now fiance and father of her daughter True, commented on the photo saying, wow, that grass is cut to perfection. <laughs> I don't know why I included that quote here. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. Anyway, the last thing I want to round out this segment with Mish is an article from Perth Now because betting markets apparently are going wild with Kim Kardashian's rumoured next flame, as they call it. Apparently leading the odds for Kim Kardashian's <laughs> next partner, you wouldn't be able to get it, is Van Jones, a CNN commentator. <laughs> oh, yeah. You so know him. <laughs> Else, you would know him. If you Google him, you would know him. I promise you. I, oh,
2: yeah, sarcastically, but I guess I guess we know him. I don't oh. know
1: that man.
0: <laughs> Wait, you don't know Unless Unless I'm thinking of someone different. I'm in a live Google too. I've never seen this man in my life. Oh, I've definitely seen this guy. Okay, weirdo. Watch more, watch more CNN. So he's coming in at $6. <laughs> Golden State Warriors basketballer Clay Thompson is sitting in at $7.50. Los Angeles Clipper Paul George is coming in at $9. Rounding out the list is rapper Drake. Aww. Brooklyn
1: Nets basketballer James Harden who are both level at $11. We also have rapper Kendrick Lamar sitting at $15, the recently single Ray J. Wait, as in Kim's ex Ray J. Oh, no,
2: no way. way.
1: <laughs> you've Fuck got off a, sports bet. You've got to have an X in there. $23 followed by Tiger Woods at $101, Ben Affleck at 151 and my personal favorite Donald Trump, who is the $251 outsider. He is quite a nice outer, too. I'm not a gambling woman, but maybe don't put your hard earned pennies on old Trumpy boy. Or to be honest, any of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good odds at all.
0: Coming up after the break, the dramatic fall of one of Sydney and NRL's favourite sons. But first, a word from today's sponsor.
1: Now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. My gorgeous, wonderful, beloved adored Zara McDonald. Why am I so saccharine with the compliments now? I don't know, but I don't know how to handle them most of the time. So I think people used to come for me saying I was too harsh on you. So I've gone real hard the other way. I
0: think they said that about both of us. So now we're going to be like, (laughs) and you delicate flower, Michelle. (laughs) My first story, Emma Watson retires from acting to spend time with boyfriend Leah Robinson. That is from (laughs) news.com. What a beautiful story. Genuinely, what a beautiful story. A bit of context, Mish, before we dive properly in. According to her agent, third-year-old Watson has gone completely dormant, which is just some fancy movie way, according to News.com, of saying that she's given up on acting. Her agent said that she's not taking on new commitments at the moment. I've got to say...
1: I love this. Emma Watson is living the dream. A source did tell Daily Mail, Emma has gone underground. She is settling down with Leo. They're laying low. Maybe she wants a family. Apparently, they've been living secretly in Ibiza for a bit of the year. They're just chilling, going on long walks, enjoying their time together. And I've got to say, as much as I think some people will judge to be like, oh, retiring at 30, like the privilege, which of course is a lot of privilege involved in this this is my dream. Like imagine being able to go, you know what, I'm going to enjoy my life and live whatever way I want. I'm going to opt out of the rat race and this idea that I have to become the next Meryl Streep and I'm just going to enjoy my time.
0: Well, I think it would be short-sighted of us to assume that by retiring from acting, she's retiring from everything. Like I imagine she's still going to do a bunch of work. She just doesn't want to be in the public eye, which I think is pretty fair. She's never really seemed very drawn to being famous. Mm. I think old Emma Watson. I mean, my other favourite... Emma Watson. Sorry. I, that actually was just not... Year old Emma Watson? Yeah, it was a year old rather than, like, <laughs> rather than an age Aging, Aging Emma Watson. Yeah. She has been in the public eye for a long time though. <laughs> My favourite fact about this is apparently they've been spending their mornings reading papers over smoothies at a vegan cafe. I mean, besides the fact that seems like a totally made up fact, <laughs> it <laughs> makes their life seem very peaceful. I wonder, Mish, is she the only Harry Potter star that's given up acting? I have not seen
1: Ron Weasley or Rupert Grint. Anywhere,
2: <laughs> He was in a show. He was in a show that I watched.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. He was in a show, but he also had a baby recently, didn't he? He yes. had a baby with
2: Georgia from Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. Yeah, which is the best pop culture fact I have probably got in my arsenal and <laughs> stolen it. So he was in the show Sick Note. It was on Netflix and it was really good. Oh, yes, a classic. We all know Sick Note well. <laughs> well Come on, say, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the
1: old niche Sick Note. Have you seen that? Yes, yeah, I watched it. Of course, of course
0: you, you have. have. <laughs> of course you have. I mean, well done to Emma. Watson, enjoy your time with Leo Robinson. Perhaps
1: if she's got some spare time, she wouldn't mind an old podcast interview yeah, on the show. Emma, if you're listening, also ask Leo why his last name is Robinson, not Robinson. <laughs> that know, really it, threw me when it, you read that out. It
0: threw me as well as I was reading. <laughs> My second story Gwyneth Paltrow, the number one masker. That is from Lainey Gossip. Mish, did you say this story around this week?
1: I did. Apparently, Gwyneth Paltrow, for those who missed it, has kind of unofficially named herself as the origins of the face mask trend. An interesting choice given it's not really a trend and it's not at all new in any way whatsoever.
0: Exactly. So she was interviewed recently by the New York Times. Goop has actually just launched a line of vibrators and she was asked about a selfie she took wearing a face mask in February 2020. She was reportedly on the way to France and she wrote, en route to Paris, paranoid, prudent, panicked, placid, pandemic, propaganda. Paltrow's just going to go ahead and sleep with this thing on the plane. I I didn't realise she referred to herself (laughs) in third person. That threw me. I've already been in this movie. Stay safe. Don't shake hands. Wash hands frequently. That was her caption on the photo. She obviously was referencing her role in the movie Contagion, where she played Patient Zero. Now, when she was asked about this mask selfie, she told the New York Times, this is a familiar pattern in my life. I do something early. Everyone is like, what is she doing? She's insane. And then it's adopted by the culture. To Gwyneth Paltrow's (laughs) credit, before we jump properly into this, it was February,
1: Coronavirus wasn't really on my radar in February. Yes, it was. But not to the level of you wearing masks. But globally, you knew it was kind of doing its little spready thing. Yeah,
0: you knew it was floating about. But I wouldn't have gone around wearing masks. And the other point that Lainey Gossip made in this article was, to be fair-ish to Gwyneth, back in February 2020, when she first posted this photo, not a lot of celebrities were being seen in masks and it was covered all over the place. CNN reported it, so to Page Six, The New York Times, The UK... Huffington Post, even the Montreal Gazette in Canada. Right. So it was news, but she wasn't the first person in the world to ever wear a mask, and it's certainly not a trend.
1: I just find the and then it's adopted by the culture <laughs> to be so like self-aggrandizing. Totally. When in reality we know that in Asian culture, it is very commonplace for people to wear a face mask, particularly when they're sick and they don't want to spread that illness with the people they're working with or commuting with or whatever. It's just incredibly myopic to think that Gwyneth Paltrow was the first person to make this a thing or inserted this into the culture. And without her, I wouldn't be wearing a face mask to work. Like, come on. It's pretty,
0: it is funny. Something about Gwyneth, like I used to get, I must admit, a little bit annoyed at some of Goop stuff and attached fairly Gwyneth Paltrow to that and therefore found myself a bit annoyed at Gwyneth Paltrow. She's a bit more of a, a funny fixture in my life now. It's like, I feel like a lot of
1: people are sort of giggling at, at <laughs> you old Gwyneth. She's like that quirky aunt She who comes out and says shit and you're like, look, I know Aunt Paltrow is a bit problematic. Like, she says things that aren't always on the money. However, she does serve a purpose, and that purpose is to entertain us and to be quite like a sunshiny figure at times as well. Absolutely. And I did want to touch on that point you made before about other cultures wearing masks before, because Lainey Gossip
0: did make that point too. She said, Is it insulting? Of course. Asians have been wearing masks all the time everywhere as part of their normal routine since SARS and met with derision until 2020 and COVID 19. In Far East culture, it's a sign of consideration. Yes, wearing masks is for protection, but a lot of times people wear them out of respect for others. She went on to say Gwyneth does it and somehow she's managed to turn it into a point of pride, something to add to her ever-growing list of
1: innovations. Well, it's so classic, right? Like the things that we deride minorities for. We tend to then whitewash and make it seem not only cool but completely original and never been done before. And new for sure. My third story:
0: Kendall Sneaky Jenna confirms that she created an award-winning tequila brand on the down low.
1: That is from Elle magazine. This was something that the TikTok community was buzzing about for right? a long time. I don't have the user's name in front of me, but there was a TikTok user who had seen this random tequila bottle pop up in the background of Kardashian photos, and when I say in the Background, I truly mean the background. Like you would have to scroll in to see the name. It wasn't on any of their grid posts that were immediately visible. It was in some of the carousels that they were posting in some of the Instagram stories. And this one TikTok user was like, I searched for this tequila brand. I love the Kardashians. I want to drink what they're drinking and I can't find it anywhere. That then sparked a like 100 part exaggeration, but kind of close to the truth 100 part. Story of her trying to discover what 818 tequila was and her landing on the theory that it was Kendall Jenner's brand. And she turned out to be right.
0: Exactly. And so that's why I wasn't that surprised because of this TikTok user when Kendall Jenner did post her announcement on Instagram saying, For almost four years, I've been on a journey to create the best tasting tequila. After dozens of blind taste tests, trip to our distillery, entering into world tasting competitions anonymously and winning, three and a half years later, I think we've done it. This is all we've been drinking for the last year. I certainly hope not. That's not very healthy. No, it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Some water in there wouldn't be bad too. Interestingly, Mish, the brand already has 300,000 followers on Instagram. It has been quite popular, but not without its criticism.
1: No. And we should say it's won a heap of accolades. I'd read out all the names, but there are so many. So it's a championed tequila within the industry, but that's not to say that it has landed well with Kendall Jenner's followers or indeed people on Twitter. The brand and Jenner have been accused of gentrification and cultful appropriation. The Latinx community have said that there are really simple mistakes when it comes to even the Spanish. like The tequila, for example, is called Blanco Tequila. But that's actually incorrect. In Spanish translation, tequila should come first. So it should be tequila blanco. And yet simple little errors like this have been made when if you're working on something for four years, you would think you'd be a bit beyond that, right? Yeah. Well, you'd be hoping
0: that you've got enough people from the community who know a lot about tequila and Spanish too, to be helping you with that. So I think it's pretty obvious with that in mind that perhaps there aren't many people from the Latinx community helping around this brand. And I think understandably that is a big criticism. On Twitter, there was a tweet from East Al Desma that said, Mish, something about Kendall Jenner making tequila rubs me the wrong way. Like the idea of white celebrities taking from local Mexican artisans and profiting off our traditions and agricultural business, yet only visit Cabo and Puerto
1: Vallada for vacation spots. I mean, a pretty sound point there. Yeah. And that tweet got tens of thousands of likes. A lot of the Latinx community agreed with her. She did raise, though, this isn't just Kendall Jenner. It's a group of white celebrities, often white men. And I find it interesting that this conversation has been sparked by Kendall Jenner, but perhaps the same criticism hasn't been levelled at white male celebrities in exactly the same way. So other celebrities who have launched tequila brands include Nick Jonas, George Clooney, Adam Levine, Justin Timberlake, JT's not doing too (laughs) well, is he? (laughs) Bryan Cranston, Aaron Paul and Dwayne Johnson. And I think there is a conversation to be had about, yes, this is very worthwhile to talk about gentrification and cultural appropriation absolutely need to be discussed and debated in the public eye. Why do we discuss them more when it's Kendall Jenner and not George Clooney who made a billion dollars yeah, well, off his tequila brand? He's got to be
0: the most famous celebrity making money off tequila, a billion dollars. And maybe it was just a few years ago and our public conversations weren't at the level where people were listening to the Latinx community about things like that. But it is interesting. There are a bunch of celebrities launching tequila and I wonder if this would put off other people in the future from doing so. I, I guess I hope so. My fourth story, Tiger Woods undergoing surgery after California car crash. That is from AFR. Just a quick note before we jump into this story. We are recording this on early Wednesday afternoon. So perhaps by the time this episode goes live, details may have changed. Mm. But what is available to us at the moment is that he was involved in a single car accident just a month after back surgery. his fifth, I think, Michelle.
1: Yeah. And we don't know much other than it was a single car accident in California around 7am on Tuesday morning. He sustained numerous leg injuries and was rushed to hospital in an ambulance. His manager did confirm that he's currently in surgery at time of recording. And he also, of course, asked the public to respect Tiger's privacy and to give his family support at this time instead of, I guess, being too prying. Yeah, of course. It is also an incredible thing that
0: he's actually survived this crash, Mish. I mean, emergency services who arrived at the scene had to use the jaws of life to actually get him out from the car. So it's great that he has survived. And I think we'll have to wait and
1: perhaps offer an update next week to see how he is. Mm, And millions of fans around the world as well would be rooting for him to have a good recovery. I think lots of people have been really saddened to see how Tiger Woods' life has gone, particularly over the last decade. And I think everyone would agree that we want him to be in a better place. And hopefully that comes about. My fifth
0: story, Nathan Buckley's estranged wife, Tanya, (laughs) shops for wedding dresses. That is from the Daily Mail. Mish, we're putting this in there because I think that we should start every week offering an award to the country's best clickbait. And this has won my award this week in a close tie with the Herald Sun, who also ran their version of this article,
1: which was Tanya Buckley spotted wedding dress shopping. My favourite part about the Herald Sun's one as well was that was their headline, but the stand first they ran it with was so good. Tanya Buckley has not given up on love, despite the public end of her high profile marriage to Collingwood coach Nathan Buckley. Now, if you had a brain, you'd read that and be like, wow, Tanya Buckley's getting yeah. married. Oh, yes, she, She's looking for a dress. She hasn't given up on love. She's found someone new. Of course, that is not the case. The media just hates us and wants to ruin all of our time. In fact, if you clicked in and read this article, like I did, because I am a sucker for a bit of clickbait, you'd find out that this is entirely an article written about Tanya Buckley shopping with a friend for her friend's wedding <laughs> <laughs> So a quick bit of context before I
0: get into perhaps my favourite part of this story, which is the Daily Mail <laughs> copy. Tanya Buckley was married to former AFL star Nathan Buckley. He is obviously the coach now of Collingwood. They were married for 18 years and announced their split in December. They said when they split that they had been separated since January. So it's been about 13 months they haven't been together. In the Daily Mail's article, they led with this mission. You'll love it. Tanya Buckley, once considered one of AFL's most notable WAGs, separated from Collingwood coach Nathan Buckley 13 months ago. And on Friday, the blonde raised eyebrows when she was spotted (laughs) meeting with a famous wedding dress designer in Melbourne. Still no word that it's not her wedding. (laughs) She was apparently in high spirits as she browsed fabrics and embellishments for a special gown. Now, as per the formatting of this article, they then (laughs) had those three sentences, a big fuck-off photo of Tanya that spanned heaps, and then you had to scroll past the photo to read Tanya was actually helping a friend find the perfect design for her upcoming wedding. (laughs) I just hate it.
1: I hate it so much. Like, even as my thumb scrolled to this story and I clicked in, I was like... I know they're fucking me over. Like, I know they're going to screw me over with this. And when I stumbled upon it, I was like, of course. Of course she's not getting married to someone new within a month of announcing her divorce. But Jesus Christ, gets me every time.
0: It's incredible. Clickbait.
1: Bring me a better clickbait story next week. We can start battling them off against each other. Oh, the challenge is on. Mind you, the Daily Mail gives us so much. It'll probably be a walk in the park. This
0: is probably <laughs> the most content we've ever had for this
1: podcast in years. Hey, that's all I've got for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Next Bitch. When we began Shameless in March 2018, Sam Burgess was largely renowned as a sporting and socialite superstar. He, from the outside, had it all. A glittering NRL career with a premiership trophy under his belt, a gorgeous young family at home, and a bright future ahead of him. He was, by all accounts, Australia's golden boy. Sure, he's actually British. He only moved to Australia for good six or so years ago, but we adopted him like he's our own. Only the last three years have been something of a mudslide that has completely covered the shine we once saw. Sexting scandals, allegations of domestic violence and infidelity, and most recently, allegedly driving under the influence of drugs. Zara, before we look back at the rise and fall of Sam Burgess, can you tell us and tell the listeners exactly what happened this week?
0: I sure can. So this week news emerged that the 32-year-old had allegedly returned a positive test for cocaine in a roadside drug test. It was also reported that he was driving on his way to pick up his two children. So this was Monday Mm. afternoon. He was also charged at the time with driving an unregistered car. I think this story in particular, Mish, I know you did the overview of why he's been such a golden boy and how big he has been, not just in the sporting scene, but in the social scene. But I think this story in particular this week is so big and newsworthy, because just over a fortnight ago, he was found guilty of intimidating his estranged wife, Phoebe's dad, Mitchell Hook back in October 2019. So what happened in October 2019 is three days, or reportedly three days, after Phoebe and Sam told their families that they were splitting, he intimidated Mitchell Hook in what the magistrate described as an angry, aggressive altercation that would have been frightening for any Australian and one with the intention of causing him physical and mental harm. Mm. So the Sydney Morning Herald reported that this incident in October 2019 was one where Burgess walked over to Mitchell Hook during the argument, pointed his finger at him about one and a half to two metres away and yelled, you're a fucking piece of shit. I'm going to get you. So he was given a two-year community corrections and there's also an AVO in place so that he can't go near Mitchell Hook, which is, as I said, Phoebe's dad. So this has all been swirling in the background. And then a fortnight later, he's obviously found allegedly with cocaine in his system and driving an unregistered vehicle on his way as the Australian reports to pick up his children.
1: And it goes without saying the kids' detail feels to be the most harrowing and most concerning as well. Let's actually look back at why Sam Burgess is such a huge name in Australia because I am not an NRL fan. I'm not even a rugby union fan. He has played across both codes. But I know Sam Burgess and I know Phoebe Burgess and I'm not really sure why. It feels like they're always kind of in the media. They're always in headlines. They have huge profiles respectively. So Sam actually originally played in the English Super League before making the move to Australia in 2010 to play for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He is pretty ubiquitous in Australian culture, right? Like he did transition to rugby union for a year in 2014, but that was kind of like a failed transition, very high profile, but a failed transition. And he came back to rugby league in 2015. That rugby league contract was the biggest the league has ever seen. Reportedly a colossal $1.5 million a year. Super high paid, super prestigious position to be in as well. He was also the prodigal son of rugby, right? Like he was a hero on the field. He was credited with bringing home the Rabbitohs first premiership in four decades in 2014. He played the game with a shattered cheekbone and was later named man of the match.
0: I kind of want to stop on that point for a second because I think this says a lot about what we value in masculinity in our culture at the moment. I mean, the reason that we wanted to have this conversation, Mish, is because we wanted to talk about how much we adore particularly male sporting stars to the point that they're almost deities. Mm. And we respect them more when they kind of push through pain, like playing through a shattered cheekbone. He was like the poster boy for like a strong alpha male.
1: Yeah, a savior. It was like this weird messiah complex people yeah. had about Sam Burgess. And not just Sam Burgess, I think all of this was magnified and his star power was exaggerated so much more because he also happened to be playing with his three brothers as yeah. he went through his career. Each of his brothers, Luke, George and Tom, at times in their career also played for and with the Rabbitohs. And when do we see that four Huge, hyper-masculine brothers playing for the one sporting team. It feels like this wasn't just a sporting family. This was a sporting dynasty and one that really dominated our headlines. Yeah. And also because people who knew a little bit about
0: the Burgesses, who had read about the Burgesses also knew a lot about the mum as well. Like mm. Julie Burgess was the centerpiece, the matriarch of the family. And as you say, they were a dynasty. I mean, I know I was working in the media in 2015, so I was probably covering the story, but I remember so well their star started wedding. Mm. I remember. what it looked like. I remember her dress. I remember that it was attended by Russell Crowe, who is connected very closely to the Burgess family because he
1: owns the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And it was covered in every media outlet in Australia. Yeah, exactly right. So like Phoebe and photos of Phoebe's wedding dress. It was designed by Alex Perry. They were all over the media. It was held at Phoebe's family's country estate, which is a gorgeous property as well. Phoebe is also a pretty big name in her own right. She did begin her career as a producer on Channel 7 Sunrise program, but then she moved into more of a front-facing role. So at times in her career, she worked for Clio magazine, for Dolly magazine. She was also front-facing in that she became something of a TV presenter and like an event MC.
0: Yeah, she had a really stellar media career herself. They were very much a golden couple before perhaps 2018. And I think the first thing I remember in 2018 of this starting to fall apart, Mish, was that sexing scandal of his.
1: Yeah, which came at an awful time because when the sexting scandal broke in the middle. Of 2018, Phoebe was pregnant with their second child, heavily pregnant. Yeah. She only gave birth a couple of months, I think three months after the sexting scandal broke. So imagine that. Like you're in front of the eyes of the public. Everyone's writing about your husband allegedly sexting a woman who is not you and you are six months pregnant with his second child. Yeah, and I think the other details about this sexting
0: story is that it was an anonymous woman who emailed the club and she said that multiple players from the same team had made her uncomfortable and feel violated because she alleged that some of them exposed themselves to her and Burgess was one of them. On a video chat. Yeah, Yeah, exactly
1: right. Interestingly, I mean, the NRL isn't heralded as as an organisation that takes violence against women or sexual harassment of women very seriously, but they did clear Burgess after an investigation. Important to note. Important to note that he was cleared, but I think the culture is also interesting to bring into the context here as well. I think that sexting scandal was the very beginning of things going very, very wrong for Sam Burgess. Perhaps things were bubbling behind the scenes far beyond that point, but I think it was the first time the public got a glimpse into the reality that perhaps, yes, this is our golden couple, but under the surface, not everything seems to be quite so shiny.
0: Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. It was so much harder to watch because she was so heavily pregnant. Mm. I mean, they split for the first time, I remember, it was in the, I think it was the start of January 2019. It was only a month or less than a month after they had given birth to their their second child, a son. They kind of had an on and again, off again relationship in the months after that. I think a couple of months later in March, they got back together, but they had split again in October. And that October time is what I referenced before. It was around mm-hmm. the time that that altercation with Mitch allegedly occurred.
1: Yeah, and this was truly when things went into hyperdrive, right? Like last year, the Australian released... An- expose that alleged that Sam assaulted Phoebe physically when she was eight months pregnant. He does deny those claims. That Australian expose also included documents that spoke about drug use cover-ups, of police cover-ups, of some really damning information that painted Sam Burgess in a very different light to what we had swallowed publicly.
0: Yeah, and it should be noted that none of the allegations against Burgess in that Australian piece have been proven. But when it comes to his reputation, for me, this felt like a pretty big nail in the coffin. Like it was a pretty tough piece to read. I did talk about it on the podcast at the time. I remember reading it and had a few chills because it, mm. it's not easy reading. What I do find interesting is we touched on the fact that when it comes to NRL, the Burgess family are like a sporting dynasty. And his brother, Tom, did speak to the media on Tuesday saying, I am always supportive. He's my brother, no matter what happens. And I'm sure the club will two. So they are a very fiercely loyal family. And I think I've had that vibe for years when reading about the Burgesses is that they all stick
1: together. Absolutely. I mean, the matriarch, Julie, seems to have been doubling down on that rhetoric as well. In 2020, when a lot of this was already in the public eye, we didn't know about the driving under the influence of drugs allegations that hadn't happened yet, but a lot of this stuff was coming out publicly. She wrote a blog post about her boys and about their love for each other and about their unity. And she wrote, this is what love and loyalty look like. It makes me so proud and moves me to tears sometimes to see that nothing in life, no adversity can shake the foundation of my boys love for each other.
0: Yeah, they're super, super tight. And I think this is why, as we say, they're so well known and why in so many ways they were raised up to be the pinnacle of NRL and in Mm. many ways the pinnacle of Australian sport. There was an interesting piece in The Australian Mish written by Wally Mason where there was some interesting commentary and thought around what we do to young men when they go into these sporting codes. And essentially the idea is that we just never say no to them and they go through life assuming they can kind of do
1: whatever they want. Yeah, I want to read out one of my favourite quotes from this piece that really stood out to me about the importance of saying no that I just adore. Ordinary teenagers, those not blessed with prodigious sporting talent, also sometimes start out with a precocious, entitled attitude. But the real world arrives early. They get told no. They get told, pull your weight and take your turn, and not everyone wins a prize. As a result, they learn limits and possibilities and how to behave and what being a decent human being involves. Burgess, sadly, appears to have learnt none of these lessons, and it is tearing him down.
0: I thought that was like one of the most well-articulated points about what we do with young male sporting stars and how we feed that sense of entitlement. And it is that idea that they're never told no. Like there was another quote from the piece. He ended it really punchily where he wrote, more than anything, the sight of someone who was once an adornment to the NRL brought so low is sad for his family, for his club and his fans, but also for Burgess himself. The greatest favor anyone can do to the next crop of young superstars heading for the NRL, the AFL, or any other footy code is to say no a couple of times. The world is not there for your benefit. There are other people to consider. Give them limits and you will give them a chance of being a decent person when the sporting spotlight fades.
1: It's an interesting question to ask ourselves. How much does the media, how much does our very patriarchal culture have to answer for Sam Burgess? Because I don't want to put too much emphasis. Like, of course, we need to put some emphasis on the culture and how we do create these idols who eventually feel like they can get away with the world because they were once a hero on a sporting field. I don't want that to be the entire focus, though, because there has to be some personal accountability. There has to be a lot of personal accountability here. That There are players who grow up in that spotlight, who grow up surrounded by that adulation and that fame and become really decent men. So what's the difference? Like, what's the difference here between Sam Burgess potentially going down the route that he has allegedly gone down And the other men who who end up being perfectly capable, compassionate loving members of society who don't allegedly assault their pregnant partner.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think these two things are working together, like nature Mm. versus nurture. And I think when it comes to Sam Burgess, I mean, I do think this idea that he hasn't been told no his whole life would have played a role, but not the only role. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens now. I mean, I'm hoping that that family can rally together and really sort of move through this where we don't find his name attached to headlines like
1: these ones. Yeah. And heart goes out to Phoebe Burgess who has to watch from the sidelines as well now that they aren't together anymore and she has no control potentially over this situation but still has her children's lives and her life and her father's life enmeshed in it all. Yeah, I know.
0: Hey, I think that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening. We are on social as always. We're on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We are on Facebook at Shameless Book Club. We have our Book Club episode coming out on Saturday, so keep your ears and eyes peeled for that one. With this one, Annabelle Lee. Oh, hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me again. (laughs) Hey, guys, if you want to support our show, the number one way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. If you're on on Spotify. Click follow. If you're in another podcasting app, I don't know what the button is, but I'm sure you can figure it out. You're You're all incredibly clever people. You've got it. Hey guys, we'll be
0: back in your ears as we said on Saturday and then back on Monday for another In Conversation. So we'll speak to you all then. Bye. Bye.
2: Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louie Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real-life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in -hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, It's all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.